Vikings' best chance of winning lies with Dalvin Cook's legs and getting a big game out of him. And let's uh, let's keep Devontae Adams especially off the field. The thing that we did well against the Packers was jam the ball down their throats. And I believe in that first game, if we keep giving the ball to Alexander Madison, we win that game. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode number 59. And more importantly, the first episode of the 2020 real season, actual football week one border battle joining me on the podcast as always chris corso and jay nelson from the vikings entertainment network and joining us as friend of the program and probably the only time all year because of how he and i feel about one another <laughs> ladies and gentlemen king of fantasy and king of guy who gets angry texts from me on sundays paul Charchian. <laughs> i Corso, I like I talked to Charch, who's a close friend of mine and someone I love. I talked to him like he disagrees with every thought I have on Sundays. <laughs> I just set him up there. He's my he's my bully dummy, and I just send him mean <laughs> all day. And I really appreciate that he takes it. I really yeah. appreciate it, Paul. Usually with an, with these texts come in as if it's my fault. For whatever's happening with the Vikings at that moment, and um, let and especially if it involves Kirk Cousins, because then apparently it is absolutely my fault. I am I'm the given one that, what that the internet this. believes that is absolutely your fault. Uh, but to spin it forward, uh, I actually have very high hopes for Chris Corso's boy Kirky Cousins on Week One. It's border battle. Let's. Well, I was going to say let's not waste any time, but let's also not waste any time with, as we're recording this, we are just receiving breaking news uh, that is not going to be fun to hear for Viking fans. We are going to be without Daniil Hunter week one against the Packers, as well as it looks like week two and three as he is going on the injured reserve list. Chris, is there anything else I need to know? I think uh, knowing that he's out for three weeks and looking at the Vikings schedule, it's going to be a big hit for this team. And everyone talks about Afadio Denebo losing his starting spot. Well, guess what? He just got it back. So uh, if Andre Patterson says you can't have too many pass rushers, I think this is a good reason why, Charge. Yeah, this is um, this is going to test a, a defense that's in heavy flux before this. This was supposed to be one of the the few the few stable elements of, of the defense with all these changes was Daniil Hunter and clearly losing him across with all the other problems across the, the defensive line. When I say problems, I guess I, what I really mean are just new places, new faces that we didn't necessarily expect to be the case. The Michael Pierce loss was really unexpected and unfortunate for the Vikings and. You know, the, the schedule is going to be a little tricky without him. Indianapolis Colts, I believe, will be one of the most improved teams this year. they got to travel yep. to Indy after this. And then they get the Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship game after that. Those three games with uh, without Daniil Hunter is certainly a big loss. And it will, you know, you absolutely feel it against Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. And let me be the guy who normally how Paul and I's relationship works is I freak out negatively and he spins me back the other way. I'm going to be the guy who spins positive here. No matter what, the first five games out the gate with the Packers, the Colts, the Titans, the somebody else, and the Seahawks, <laughs> it, it, it's the a Texans brutal. Don't count. They, they don't even matter. 
the Texans, which might be the most dangerous of all of them when it's all said and done. Uh, those five games were going to be so difficult as it is. And now you take Hunter out. To me, you still have the opportunity. If you can go in and you can get this game week one and you can get a couple, three, you know, play well in the next four. If you can get out of these first five games, now I know every Viking fan and everybody in the building wants to go five and oh through those three. But if you are without your all world defensive end, you get in there and you somehow get this first one and a couple others you have put yourself in a really good position to be a successful team this year. Unfortunately, this is just how the schedule breaks sometimes. The Vikings are in a situation where the first quarter of their season is going to have either heavy rewards or heavy consequences, Paul. Yeah, this is the hardest part of the schedule is up front, and it, it always was. One through five were all difficult matchups. Uh, Houston, Seattle, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Green Bay, and that's – you know, it's just made that much harder. I honestly, as a lifelong Viking fan, I'd be happy with three wins out of those five, and I might have to settle for two wins out of those five, depending on how quickly the other elements of the defense can come together, which is my biggest concern, and it's got to be shared by you guys. You look at the cornerback position between Hughes and Danzler and Gladney and Holton Hill, that's eight combined NFL starts for the for three out of those four guys that are going to be on the field most plays, and sometimes four out of four. That has to all come together really quickly. Shamar Steffen's going to have to play a lot of downs. Jaleel Johnson's going to have to play a lot of downs. This, this defense is going to be challenged in a way that we just – the Viking fans have, these, have had this luxury of consistency in its defense for so long. This is the first year that we're really going to be testing our coaching staff. We're testing um, the front office and their ability to find adequate replacements and get up to speed quickly. So many question marks that we're not used to defensively here. The other side of that, though, is it's, it's not the first time. Zimmer came in and ripped around a defense that was pretty bad the year before with a oh, lot really of question bad. marks and, and almost identical personnel or near, nearly similar. They had elevated Everson Griffin. They'd given him that contract. You know, a lot of people had questions about that. So, you know, I'm – I'm not, again, trying to be rosy side up here, but he said it himself. He doesn't have bad defenses. I personally and, – and the other thing is – just like fans, Charge, like to react to you as if it's your fault for <laughs> yes. Cousins through an interception. That happens. There are three things that Viking fans, I believe, um, you know, even the ones I love, get too dramatic about. Kirk Cousins' performances because his contract was so divisive when it was first announced. Anthony Barr's performances, which I will continue to blow the horn on how insane that is. He is he is the wheel that makes this defense turn, and I will argue in the streets about it for decades. Now, here's That's a the bit third much. one. I mean, you're gonna go you're gonna go horse. Uh, Anthony Barr is gonna be you know. Decades from now, he'll be he's retired. Be re he's retired. Anthony Barr doesn't even care anymore. And there you are out on the corner of uh, First and Hennepin, and you're sh shouting at nobody. You got that. Oh, Charge, I'll be shouting at you. It'll be directed <laughs> at you. But, but here's. Here's I'll third be giving, thing. I'll be giving you spare change, by the way, confusing you for a, for a homeless beggar. And I'll need it, uh, yeah. given the way this is going. But everybody last year acted like. The Vikings threw, like, they bought a clone machine, cloned Waswa Sirwanga, and threw three <laughs> of them out on the field. People, because Xavier Rhodes was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL for so long that when he became a more medium average, slightly below, you know, elite player, people lost their minds. The truth is, you know, they got targeted a lot, but that secondary didn't break very often. And so to me, 
I'm not ready to freak out about these young guys until they give me a reason to freak out about them. Week one, if Aaron Rodgers torches them and then Phillip Rivers torches them, I'm going to freak out. But for right now, I just, given what happened in Zimmer's first year with all those question marks, I'm way more concerned about the offensive line progressing and Kirk Cousins feeling comfortable than I am the defense. And maybe that makes me an insane person. But yes, I'm an insane person. We've been used to the defense for so long being the staple of the team. It's been the offense has to catch up every training camp. It's like Coach Zimmer's like, eh, the, the defense is one week ahead of the offense. I think this might be the first year where you look at the offense and you say they might have a leg up on the defense because those cornerbacks are going to be asked to do a lot of things. And what these coaches always say is the pass rush is what helps those guys get an extra second here, an extra second there. And now you're missing one of the key guys there. I, I think Unique Ngakwe is going to have to have, like, how many sacks in the first three games? I'll take, like, seven or eight out of him. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you know how I feel? You know how I, I – here's how I decide whether or not I feel good. Because leaving last season, knowing the cap situation that was in place, I think a lot of people thought this was going to be a transitional year for the Vikings. You know, that I think that was the national perspective. Right. And they kept a lot of players. Kirk got a new contract like you've added in Gakwe. Anthony Harris has stuck around. When you have this sort of team, all it takes is one thing, one of a couple of things to just push that teeter totter the other direction. And, and Charge, I'll let you speak on this first one. What if Kirk Cousins throwing that dart to Adam Thielen is his Phil Mickelson moment? There was a point when Mickelson was just a chubby golfer that never came through in important <laughs> moments. Yeah. And then he rumbled that putt into the hole on Augusta, jumped up and down like a dad at a softball game, and now he's one of the greatest golfers of his era. If that throw in the most important moment of his career knocks that loose in Kirk, that is – we're talking about a whole different level of a football team here. I think Kirk's already pretty good. I don't think he – I think he was a good quarterback. Yeah, but you, you, you have – I know you do, but you have to admit – not, not even admit. You have to understand – I'll put it this way. So I'm a stand-up comedian, right? And I used to audition in Hollywood. And I was, Charge, one of the worst – I'm a fine actor. One of the worst auditioners you have ever seen in your life. I'd get nervous. It's not actually like real acting and I would fail miserably. And then a casting director told me that a lot of the casting directors knew I was bad at auditioning. And so they were, they were like trying to put me in positions to succeed in front of showrunners. And the moment I found that out, I was like, well, I'm never going to overcome this. I just got, I, it's it's weird to know that people think about you in a certain way. I think Kirk Cousins has been really good with us so far. But if he had that moment last year, if he comes out week one and puts up 380 and three touchdowns and the Vikings roll the Packers, mm -hmm. if something clicks in him where that narrative disappears from the national and local scene, that, that's what I'm saying. I think he's been good, but what if that happens? Or am I being dramatic about his, you know, how oh, you, people think of themselves? You've never been dramatic. I, I can't even imagine a scenario where that would happen. Um, could Kirk, you, you know, it, I, I would love to think that, that that dagger that he threw to Adam Thielen against the Saints down to the two-yard line is going to be a catalyst for even better play from Kirk, and maybe it will be. 
But my feeling has been that Kirk's already performing at a really high level given what he's had around him. Um, I think he's I think he's performed really, really well. And I, I, I'm sure everybody can get better. I'd love it if he got better. I don't I, – I, to go back to what Chris was saying earlier, the continuity here is on the offensive side of the ball. I think we just need this offense to perform a lot like it did last year, run the ball really well, give your strategic deep bombs to Kirk Cousins, which is fantastic, and I, I love that – I love that he can dagger defenses with the deep pass. You know, it's something that we haven't had here since Culpepper or Kramer. And um, I just, I don't, I just think that the offense is in a, a far better spot to control games. And we have a lot of continuity on this offense. So your changes in the offense are what? Elfline flips to the other side. Dozier, who has already gotten a fair amount of run, is going to, is our, at least our starting left guard. That's new. And then Ola B.C. Johnson, who got a fair amount of run last year in place of Adam Thielen, is going to start. So, you know, that's a lot of continuity out of 11 guys. We only have, you know, one really true new starter, one and a half true new starters. That's it's not bad. Offense can just go do its thing. Kirk, go play well like you usually do. And the Vikings have got a chance to overcome whatever inconsistencies we get out of this new, uh, out of this new defense. Yeah, one of the things, you know, in the past we've talked about is the defense being the rock and the offense catching up and kind of getting their legs underneath them. It's going to be the other way now. They They stressed in previous years, how much you need that offense to stay on the field to at least help the defense, you know, not be so tired from being on the field all the time. I think being able to have an offense where Kirk and Delvin and the the passing game, the screen game, even the tight ends down the seams, being able to pick up first down after first down and just keep moving the ball and eating up the clock is going to be critical, especially on the early end, if we're going to have some questions, not only in the secondary, but now on the, the defensive line at the DN position. So I think the, the more that the offense can stay on the field and can hopefully click early, that's going to be crucial for this team to have success, at least on the front quarter of the season. But that's, that's what I'm talking about. That's not, I disagree with, I don't disagree with you. I think you're right. I just disagree conceptually and going off of what, what Charch said, you have all this consistency, right? A lot of these guys were here last year. So you have a lot of similarities. It's a lot of the same stuff at a Jefferson lose a Diggs who again I love that trade but Diggs is all world he is a fantastic wide receiver so to me I do want the team that controls the off controls the ball does all this stuff but I I personally selfishly and I believe it's super possible I want to see the sort of offense if if Kirk is who we believe he is and some of these guys who are who we believe they are that it's not hard for him to put up 38 a couple weeks in a row. And I, I think they're right there. And so what I'm looking for is could Kirk take, yes, he's good. Could he get better? And I think he thinks that I think coaches think that I think anybody who believes in Kirk thinks that, but then throw into the guy you mentioned, Paul, what if, and this is the guy that people argue with me about on the internet. What if Pat Elfline finally settles in? What if after all these years of different positions and different coaches and different changes, he returns to being in a spot at right guard where he feels comfortable and he is some version of what he was as a center. We get that level of a guy that, I mean, that, that changes this team dramatically. And the other guy you throw on that list is Irv Smith. If, if any of those three guys who are consistent on the rosters take a step forward, this might not just be a ground and pound control the, the, the ball offense. This might be an offense that you go, Oh boy. No, no matter who we can, we can control the ball, but we can put up 42 points on the Houston Texans if we need to. 
Wouldn't that be nice? You know, my, my counter to that, I guess, is Pat Elfline, it'd be great if this is the, the this turns out to be the spot for, for him, but we're trying his third spot, and this is his first game in this spot. So we still have a long way to go on Pat to prove that this is ultimately going to be the spot where he settles in. Can All I need from Pat is just average NFL guard play. I mean, that's, that's all I'm asking here. You know, we really, we're, we have, we have, we have talent on the other spots. I just, the two guards, if we can just get to NFL average levels, I think that would, that would help this offense a ton. I mean, I'm a, I, I unapologetically am a huge Pat Elfline guy. I think he's the glue personality that keeps that group together. I think, I think, and, and I, I do think he's put in a difficult position. I think you come and you play center, you move, you've had a lot of different coordinators. He might be moving positions this year, but he does have consistency. He, he does have consistency from last year. So I, I'm, I'm maybe naively charged, but that's exactly right. What if Pat Elfline grades out on one of your nerd grade sites? What if he <laughs> grades out as like the 14th best uh, right guard in the oh, league? Oh, that'd be great. That, that would be I mean, fantastic. Wow, world changer. Take 14th? Oh, yeah. We had, wow. we'd gladly take 14th because last year he was grading out in the, like the 50s and 60s. So that would be fantastic. Charch and I agree on something very specific. It's one of the few things. It's that jumping from hat being 32nd at a position to 16th at a position is just as important as jumping from 16 to 1. It's still a, it's still a 50% leap up in production from where you were the year pre- previously. Is that unfair to say, Charch? I think you're with me well, on no. that. I, I just, you know, we just don't want him to be a liability. So, you know, right now, the way he had played was he, he, we had a liability at guard. Now, hopefully on the right side, maybe this is going to be the thing that clicks. He was able to win the job. It was an open competition. He won the job. So, you know, there's reason for optimism there. Join me, Paul Allen, along with former Vikings linebacker and current radio analyst Ben Lieber after every Vikings game as we host Between the Lines. Analyze the game, break it down from all angles, and discuss what it means for your favorite team moving forward. Watch each week via Vikings.com, the Vikings app, YouTube, and all of the team's other digital and social platforms. For information, visit Vikings.com slash Between the Lines. Well, let's flip to the other side of the ball. The Mike Hughes injury, injuries like that are two-year injuries. We all know that. Then, you know, you might come back and start playing, but it takes you a while to get everything underneath you and feel like the guy you used to be. What if Mike Hughes is a stud? What if, what if we're sitting here going, because yeah. on a defense, we know that with Xavier, we've watched Belichick do it forever. What if one of these guys is a shutdown, a guy who can chase Julio Jones? Your entire season changes almost immediately. If Cameron Danzler is the guy in reality, in real NFL pads on re- regular season action that he looks like he, he has been in training camp, that might be our guy. I mean, he might, yeah. be, he, might, he might be our next standout cornerback. And even though he went two rounds after Jeff Gladney, Danzler has been the guy who's been eye-popping. Let's, you know, maybe he is that guy. And honestly, I don't think it takes that much to be better than Waynes and, and Rhodes were last year. Sure, they're super green, but by, by the time they get half a season into their careers, Danzler, Gladney, and Deer Point, maybe Hughes, maybe even Holton Hill, although I don't think so, maybe one of maybe those guys are, are operating at a level that's even better than what we were getting out of Waynes and, and Rhodes. It's possible. I was about to say, I think of the Dallas game last year. That's the game that stands out as uh, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, that they were not good that game. And we found a way to win that game. 
And now you got a bunch of guys who are young. You have good things coming out of, of training camp consistently. Kirk Cousins said the other day, he said none of them made any blown coverages, all of the practices in camp. A bunch of them intercepted him a time or two, which is something that he even had to admit. So uh, I think that there's a chance that this group could also be better than the group we had last year. And, and a guy like Mike Hughes, I mean, he has a pick six in his first career NFL game off of Jimmy Garoppolo then he suffers a torn ACL and then the next year he has whatever neck injury that he had so this is going to be the first year he's coming into where he's 100% healthy do you think that that gives him a chance to be an elite sort of corner elite's a long way to go from where we've gotten to this point where what we've seen to this point you know the college the college tape and the draft status suggests so but I'm I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to go there yet. Let's um, I'm going to pump the brakes on that. Let's just say that he's got room to improve in the second year off his ACL. You know, uh, this is totally my fault because before this show, we sat in the Zoom room and we're like, let's jump right into the Packer game. And then I got on the show and <laughs> the roster came up and I lost my uh, mind because Charge is here. But now. Let's yeah. get right into the Packer game because as we started this tangent, we're without Daniil Hunter. To me, mm-hmm. and I'd be curious what each of you guys think, to me, this – normally I think the Packers – what makes the Pack – what is going to make the Packers' world go round is their running game, for which sure. is why when everybody laughed at them for drafting a running back in the second round, I was like, you guys are all going to feel real dumb for that laughter because clearly Lafleur is pulling a Shanahan. He wants three different backs. He wants to put two, and he wants to he wants to beat people up that way. So normally, I would think as their running game goes, so go the Packers. But in in this specific game, week one of the season, to me, knowing that um, uh, Daniil is out, and we have those young cornerbacks. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be the Aaron Rodgers from the past or from last year? And whatever the answer is to that question is probably the answer to the outcome of of the first week of the season. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you said, which is not something I I normally say. The the Vikings (laughs) Vikings lost the two games to the Packers last year because they got run through. It wasn't because of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, over the past two years, has averaged 228 yards and one touchdown against the Vikings. That's it. That's You don't win many games throwing 228 and one unless your running game is fantastic. And, and Aaron Jones ran through our Vikings last year, and I think they're, they'll certainly try to take that same approach this time. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it'll work. A.J. Dillon's going to help. He is. Have you guys seen this guy? He's a freaking monster. He is a monster. And wouldn't you say, as a fantasy guy who pays more attention to this sort of thing than than other people, isn't it a terrifying when you set him next to Jones? Isn't it a terrifying change in just styles? I hated that old thunder and lightning garbage, you know, (laughs) from the – who was it, Ron Dane and Tiki Barber? (laughs) Was that who it was? Yeah, I think it was definitely Tiki Barber. lightning. Um, You would never want to be the thunder in that. That's never a good – feeling you never want to be the thunder but uh it's a very diverse skill set it no it is um by the way i've already come up with a nickname for aj dylan you ready for this yeah you guys remember you guys remember christian okoya Mm -hmm. the nigerian nightmare right so aj dylan another monstrously large back playing in green bay on the tundra how about the siberian nightmare 
I kind of like that. I yeah, well, like that's, <laughs> that's as bad of an endorsement as you can possibly get, Charge. I laugh, at, I laugh at you, Cy. So you <laughs> no, that's how I know I'm screwing up. <laughs> Corso, you, this is what Corso does every, every time Corso has a chance to talk about the Packers game. He, he spent like weeks last year jinxing the fact that the Packers had never won in U.S. Bank Stadium. <laughs> now, now without fans, uh, what, what are we going to see on Sunday from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, uh, Chris Corso? Right when Matt LaFleur decided to draft Jordan Love, I think that just awoke another Aaron Rodgers. And normally you wouldn't hear me say this because – I've said this for years on this podcast and others that Matt Stafford has been the quarterback in the in the division that has hurt the Vikings the most the past couple of years. Uh, we heard those stats from Charge just a second ago, but uh, I think Aaron Rodgers might come out this season and be ready to just be Aaron Rodgers, the discount double check. I see him getting having that attitude this year. I saw that that Kyle Brandt podcast, and, and he was sipping on some tequila, talking about how he's he's ready to go this season. I, I mean, I hate that they had to anger their own player because I think that that hurts us. I really do. <laughs> yes, I, too, am petrified of the fact of Aaron Rodgers being a motivated, surly, uh, upset quarterback over in Green Bay land. But the thing about it for me is that I, one of the reasons why he is so surly is because they really didn't address the wide receiver position. You know, they lost uh, Funches due to the COVID opt-out. And so he's still dealing with, I mean, he's got Devonta Adams, who's one of the best in the league, period. But then when you start looking at everybody else, you've got your your St. Brown and Lazard. A lot of those guys in the past are are people that have been criticized on the Green Bay side where they're looking at it saying if Aaron Rodgers had anybody but Devonta Adams, that they might just be a juggernaut and you can't stop them, which is part of the reason why I think they've had to, to rely on their running game more. And the fact that four of their five offensive linemen are coming back. Yes, they lost Balaga at right tackle, but they put Billy Turner in there. They brought in Rick Wagner from Detroit. Like for me, if their success last year was on the ground testing our defensive line and making our linebackers and secondary have to make a play, and now you come into this week where you're losing a Daniil Hunter, I think if if I'm them, I'm going back to that same recipe and letting Aaron try and pick you down the field periodically. But I think again, AJ Dillon and and I just I think adding him to that potent running game is going to be something that's going to be really really difficult this weekend. And this is very out of my character, but I am, I'm done being scared. You know, I think when I saw the Vikings schedule this year, and, and maybe other schedules are really difficult, but it is so shockingly hard. It starts so hard. It finishes so difficult. It is an incredibly, incredibly difficult schedule. So to me, I'm leaning all the way in on the whole, like, if yeah, do do I want to go to the playoffs? Do I want to win the division? Well, then yeah, I might have to beat Aaron Rodgers week one without Daniel Hunter. I'm leaning into like, as a basketball coach, you used to go, we have to do what we have to do with what we have in front of us. And if the other team hits 35 threes, congratulations, you did it. So to me, <laughs> I, I'm leaning in on what we do. I, I think one of the most interesting pieces will be when the Packers beat us last year, when, when we flip sides of the ball, because Church, you were talking about them running really effectively against us yes we were without delvin in that second game we did not run the ball particularly well in that game against them and 
their defensive ends and their line, but they were in the backfield all day. So I'll be curious in week one what this O-line and running game looks like against that Packers defense. Yeah, this is a Packers run defense that was bad last year, and they did virtually nothing to change it, which really surprised me. You know, this is another area in the draft that we thought that they would they would they would make some improvements. They actually probably downgraded at linebacker, going from Blake Martinez to Christian Kirksey um, at linebacker. And this is a this is a bad defense. They allowed the sixth highest yards per carry run defense, uh, seventh most rushing yards, fifth most rushing touchdowns, and. Cook torched the pack for 191 yards in a score last season. So I, I, you know, I got I really think that if the Vikings, um, the Vikings' best chance of winning lies with Dalvin Cook's legs and getting a big game out of him. And let's uh, let's keep Devonte Adams especially off the field. We're talking all this time about Aaron Rodgers. Covering Devonte Adams, who would you put on Devonte Adams for, from the Vikings? That's that's a that's a pretty. Uh. I, you know, none of our cornerbacks have proven to be near the caliber of Devontae Adams, who's one of the five or six, seven best receivers in the league. And Adams last year, two 100-yard games against the Vikings. Year before that, touchdowns in each game. I mean, the Vikings have struggled to stop him anyway. Um, I think I might go Holton Hill and try to be more physical with Adams, but there's not a great answer. He's a big six foot one receiver. He's got plenty of meat on the bone. Maybe you can, maybe you can, maybe you can play physically with him. I don't, I, don't, I just don't think there's, there's an easy one-on-one matchup. My, I'm inclined to say I'm going to double Adams and go make Alan Lazar beat me. I think yeah. that might be, that might be your best, your best chance. Yeah. And we're so used to having, we're so used to having, you know, Xavier Rhodes here and lining him up on our, you know, our best wide, their best wide receiver for years and years. I mean, I don't think you can overlook the fact that with a platoon of young cornerbacks, I don't think we know exactly how Mike Zimmer and his defensive staff is going to approach superstar wide receivers. I don't think necessarily the past dictates what we'll see in the future. So you, you could see a lot of different things thrown at Devonte Adams week one, who I, I think it'd be pretty hard to guess, Jay. The one thing to think about, too, is if you're going to do that, you might do what other teams have done in the past, even with some of our big guys with Diggs and Thielen, and you could even spy a safety over the top. And so you have that guy one-on-one down below with Devontae, but you have a Harrison Smith or an Anthony Harris over the top keeping an eye on him, and that might be the way to to do it. But the problem is, is Aaron Rodgers, he can make all those throws. So if you're almost playing a, a mini bit of a zone against him like that, Aaron finds ways to pick you apart. So I just, I feel like, yeah, the double team might be the way to go because of inexperience. At the same point, if they feel like some of these guys in training camp have been you know, making all the moves and have not broke coverage at all, they might actually just roll the dice here and say, good luck, and let's see if we can get some blitzes up the middle to, to make Aaron uncomfortable. I watched a lot of the Packers last year. You know, our, our, our setup last year, well, uh, our setup had the, the multi-TV setup, so they were always on one of the other TVs. And the truth is, the reason the Packers running game was so successful is they would get up. If the Packers get up a score early and they can dictate the the pace with their running game, they're really mm-hmm. successful. So the other thing to look for on Sunday is I'm always fascinated with the coin flip. You know, who <laughs> – I am, but, dude, I am. Wow, you're throwing it to the coin uh, flip now? Is that how you feel about uh, the game? <laughs> you, Chris, you can, you can poke fun of me, but let's talk about it for a second, you, you – word that I'm not allowed to say on this podcast. (laughs) Both of these teams like to control the pace and dictate the game. 
both of these teams are extreme given past history when either of these teams struck early and struck out to lead and i know that's across mm-hmm. the nfl but specifically with what the minnesota vikings want to do they want to run the ball really well they want to control the clock and they want to dagger you with play action with what the vikings want to do if you can get up early and and i, I watch that same thing with i mean they're not very different offenses we know that these are pretty similar offenses so Whichever team, I'll be curious to see what the mentality is. If the Packers get the flip, are they trying to get out and score and run ahead? I also think if the Vikings get the flip, I'll be curious. I think it says a lot about, and make fun of me all you want, but the way a team decides whether they'll return or kick to start a game says a lot about the way the team approaches the game and, and, and approaches their season. I mean, it's a pretty consistent you know who you want on the field first. You know what the, the, the best foot forward is. I don't know that I can say that this year. If I asked all three of you, what do you hope happens to start the game? Do you think that, do you hope they get the ball or do you hope they kick the ball? I don't know that there's a consensus no brainer here. Is there Chris Corso guy who made fun of me for a point that I think is good? I mean, I want the ball first because we fell behind pretty early last year in both games. I remember against the Packers and the thing that we did well against the Packers was jam the ball down their throats. And I believe in that first game, if we keep giving the ball to Alexander Madison and Kirk doesn't make that mistake in the back corner of the end zone, we win that game. And as you said before, Charge, I mean, Dalvin Cook had 191 yard. I mean, we were just, that was the one thing. I mean, it looked like the Green Bay defense was absolutely beaten up, tired. We finally had them grinded down. So um, I want to see Alexander Madison in this game, too. I want to see what he can do as the second fresh leg back uh, because that was when we were really starting to pepper that that not-so-great run defense last year. And most of those guys are, are, are the same players and, and a downgrade at linebacker. So... Um, charge. I mean, what do you see for a guy like Alexander? Hold on, hold on, Chris. So, hey, just to go back to my point there, that's different than it was in the past. That's you know, in the in the past three four years, if you would have asked Minnesota Viking fans, what do you want? Do you want the ball or do you want to put your defense on the field? It had been a no brainer. Stick my defense out there. I want the ball at halftime. I want the ball so, this year. So that's what then don't make fun of my question. It was a good question then. It was a good thought. Charge, you're allowed to make fun of my thought if you bring evidence that contradicts it. Chris just supported me after making fun of me. <laughs> well, we make fun of you even we agree with you. That's half the that's the reason you're on this show. I am insecure and I can't handle criticism despite dishing it out to the people I care about. Which side of the ball do you want to see on the field first, Charge? I want to see the offense on the field. And I can't believe we're five minutes into breaking down the coin toss. But I want it for the same reasons Chris said. I trust our offense more right now. I don't want to fall behind. I I want to get Kirk on the field first, score points, make them play catch up. And let's go. Let's go with that. Last year, I would have given you the opposite answer. Charge I'm not up. breaking down the coin toss. I am breaking down game strategy. Let's Get out of the way, Chris. Let's have him on here more often. I like this. <laughs> hey, guys, why don't you do the MVP podcast anymore? Well, they started having Charge on every week, and it was just Cy and Charge fighting like maniacs. Go ahead, Jay. Part of it is teams always want that double dip at halftime. They want to be able to have the ball last, and then they want to be able to score again. 
And that's that is always the key onto why teams try to defer typically. I understand but, that. But, I, but, I, but I'm just saying on any team, whenever it turns into kind of a there's almost kind of a, an ego check at times. And it's like, listen, we don't care about any of that. We want the ball first because we want to send a message and we want to set the tempo. And here's the thing. If you can do that, you can score, you can control the clock and you can show people like, hey, at least, you know, for the first drive, we've got this then great, that helps set the tempo. If you don't and and you take it first and then you go three and out or you have a, 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 a non-sustained drive, that at times then can be a killer, not only on the front end, but also at halftime. So for, for me, yes, I think you're probably going to see them say, why wouldn't you want to have it on offense first to try to get up on them and, and, and be able to dictate it? But still, that double dip at second half is why everyone always makes that change. And I think... I, I don't fault teams for for making that change uh, this year, especially if your offense, you know, possibly ahead of your defense. After every Vikings game this season, make sure to log on to the team's digital and social platforms to watch Vikings Post Game Live, a new streaming post game show providing fans with highlights, post game sound from head coach Mike Zimmer and players, analysis, and much more. Fans can watch live or on demand via Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. For more, visit Vikings.com slash post game show. I will never back down. I thought this was a great topic, but let's move in. Uh, let's close the show with something Charch is, is good at and just everybody else can get out of the way. Charch, uh, well, first of all, I want to mention guillotine leagues. Before the show, you're like, you don't have to mention it. Well, too bad. I'm going to mention it. I think anytime anybody puts a new spin on a very difficult to spin concept, they deserve a ton of credit. And guillotine leagues, they are it's so cool it's such a, as somebody i'll be honest i don't love fantasy football i really really don't because it turns out i hate like all the other teams and all their players <laughs> I have, as a viking fan i'm like i'm not putting a seahawk on my team i have like damage that goes back to being like 12 years old where i'm like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put a raider on my team so i i, I normally cannot stand it but the idea behind guillotine leagues is so fun and competitive and kind of interestingly frantic that uh, I, I'm I'm very much considering uh, I'm very much considering no. doing one with my friends and family. But let's, let's uh, not get carried away. It's it's very anxiety inducing, and you know you've got a lot of anxiety already. I I don't know if this is. Don't, don't you know. dare talk about my mental health on this show, Charge. <laughs> don't you, don't you dare. But the for premise, anybody who's not, the premise goes. Yeah, like anybody this. who's not familiar. Yeah. Yeah, you start with seventeen teams in a fantasy league, and unlike most leagues, um, you don't play it all head to head. Every week, the low scoring team from that week gets cut, and their entire roster goes to the waiver wire, where everybody else gets to feast on those guys. Normally, your waiver wire is like, oh, this fourth string Jaguar running back might be able to move to third string. I'll go get him. Now, instead. Dak Prescott has a bad game, and all of a sudden, here's Dak Prescott on the waiver wire, along with the, a whole draft of players, and Austin Eckler, and Mike Evans, and all the whole roster of players in the waiver wire. So it's, it's waiver wire pandemonium, and every week a team gets cut. The last team standing wins the whole thing. You are the survivor, and the best part is, Cy, you don't have to play to win. You just have to play to not finish last, and that's yeah. kind of the motto for your life. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I don't really feel like you needed to take such an aggressive shot at my no, existence prob- at the end of it. Not, yeah. But I do agree with that. It is very fun, and I very much like that. Let's get out of here Thank with you. this. I want to know, uh, for Viking fans and for people like me, if I were to play fantasy, I'd probably be loading up on Vikings. Uh, give me give me your no-brainers and give me your sleepers on this Vikings roster. Well, your no-brainer for sure is Dalvin Cook. Go, typically going off the board at pick number five, which is you know very high. And I think there's every reason, you know, unless you believe Dalvin Cook's ultimately going to hold out, and at this stage it sure doesn't look like it, um, then there's, that's an appropriate spot for Dalvin Cook to go. Adam Thielen, I think, is going to have a, a good season just on sheer volume. He will get a lot of balls his way, but some defenses are going to play to just stop Thielen no matter what, a little bit like we talked about with Devontae Adams, who I would play to just take him off the field and make other players beat you. I think some defenses are going to do that with Thielen. They're going to play to just take Thielen away and force other Vikings to go win battles, and sometimes it'll work, sometimes that won't work. And, and that's going to be, I think, a, a, lot of the, uh, a, a lot of the challenge for Thielen or the up and down games when that happens. I'm really excited to see that because I think when he went on that record streak a couple yeah. years back, the yeah. first team we really saw do that go, okay, we, we think you shouldn't be allowed to hurt us was the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. And it's been, you know, teams kind of adapted that way, but it's always been tough with digs. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out this year. Yeah, B.C. Johnson is a deep sleeper. A um, little bit of interest there. There's, I think you may be able to pick your spots with him. Justin Jefferson, let's see how much he's on the field in week one. And is he playing almost universally from the slot, or has he got other places? We can identify some slot mismatches later in the season if, if we have opportunities for uh, Justin Jefferson. The tight ends, I think, to some degree, they're going to cannibalize each other a little bit like they did last year. We all think Herb's going to be better in year two, but Kyle Rudolph's coming off arguably the best year of his career. So I, you know, I just I think Rudolph deserves to be on the field plenty as well, and I don't know if there's enough two tight end sets to keep uh, to keep both of those guys fed from a fantasy standpoint. All right, well, Charge, I care about you a great deal, despite the way uh-huh. you speak to me. That's uh, awfully nice, thank you. Viking fans, couple announcements here to get you up, but for, first, I'm gonna point something out. I know, uh, a, I want to give a big shout out to the entire team and i think it's important for fans to hear the entire team at the vikings entertainment network you know everybody has accepted the reality and we're all doing the best we can i mean we're doing this podcast on zoom during the pandemic and to put out quality content and to continue to cover the team in such an impressive and efficient way given all the rules and and the way that we have to live right now i've been just to be a part of it i have been so incredibly impressed with VEN, Chris with the stuff you've done, Jay with the stuff you've done, and the the endless team of people over at Vikings.com. And uh, that's not going to stop with the preseason and and training camp here. It's going to roll right. I know everybody's busting their butts to get ready for Sunday. And we're going to be rolling out some great content on Vikings.com, on all of our social media platforms. Stay tuned to all that stuff. Again, it's hard to underscore the effort that's been put in by this group. And, and I'm going to double down on that. You know, I think when this thing really started to spiral uh, and, and sports were not existing, I think there were a lot of people who didn't think we would be at this moment. We yeah, wouldn't be sitting sure. here ready to have a first week. So given everything that's going on, the new reality we're living in, 
I think it's super appropriate just for a moment as a diehard Vikings fan and a football mm-hmm. fan to just be ex- – we have week one football. And yes. it's, it's, it's week one football when it was supposed to be week one football. The league is ready to go. I am so excited. I can't wait to see what happens, even without fans. I hope we get fans in at some point. But even without fans, we should all be walking around – virtual distance high-fiving each other because (laughs) we're going to get professional football on Sunday and so many of us are so excited for it. Uh, I will, the game as always, tune in, KFAN, Paul Allen with the call, Bursich, Lieber. Um, I'm going to give you guys each, give you guys each a minute here. What is the thing that you are most looking forward to on Sunday? Start with you, Chris. I think the most important thing for this team is starting out fast. And we we haven't done that in recent years. I think we need to score on the first drive, hopefully a touchdown when we win your coin toss, Cy. <laughs> I think we need to score a touchdown on the suspended, first Chris. <laughs> on the first drive. I want to see Kirk Cousins uh, in a play action, just throwing the ball down the field. I remember a, a ball down the field to Diggs uh, as we were trying to come back against the Packers last year. So I want to see us take some shots and score on the first drive. Jay Nelson? I'm an old lineman. I want to see uh, controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I want to see what really happens with this defensive line, especially with Daniil out. But the offensive line, there's been the questions all offseason. I want to see them start to answer that, give Kirk some time to, to make some passes downfield and just control the clock, control the line of scrimmage, and put up some serious points against the Packers. Archie, what you got for me? Key to the game is stopping the other Aaron. Aaron Jones, this Viking struggled mightily, and then – then the loss of uh, Michael Pierce was uh, was a real blow. I'm nervous about I'm nervous about containing a very very good running attack, and not just him, but AJ Dillon as well. And uh, let's let's make Aaron Rodgers go win this game, and he's certainly capable of doing that. Obviously, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but I I would rather have the ball in his hands, oddly enough, than Aaron Jones. Guys, enjoy Sunday. Enjoy football. We'll see you soon uh, next week when hopefully this team is uh, is talking positively. Uh, Enjoy the first week of football. Goodbye.